John chapter 1. And uh, today we're going to talk about relationship. We're going to talk about what, what is this covenant all about. We just took communion and we just saw that Jesus desired with a fervent desire. He wasn't saying, man, I've been waiting so long to just eat some food with you. He'd done that before. That wasn't the deal. He said, with fervent desire, I have desired to do this. What? To enter into communion, to enter into a covenant with you. And so I want to take a closer look at this relationship. And uh, the title of my message is, It's Not You, It's Me. (laughs) It's Not You, It's Me. And uh, you definitely don't have to raise your hand, but uh, we've probably, a few of us have probably used that line at some point in our lives. Uh, Maybe you use the line with the person you're currently with. I don't know. Um, I'll be transparent and uh, admit that I did. Uh, But... Hey, I was a young 21-year-old kid who didn't know anything anyway, so, uh, you know. It's amazing how relationships have different dynamics, um, but God desired to be in a relationship with us. That's what God desired. Now, I do want to say one statement that will probably step on some toes, but that's okay because we'll explain it. Uh, But, you know, a lot of people believe that that's why God created us was for relationship. Right? You've all heard it, you know. Why are we on the earth? And, and I believe man's asked that question a lot, and man's come up with a lot of different ideas. Uh, but, you know, one of those is, well, he wanted a relationship. God is love, and God created man so he could have someone to be in relationship with, someone that he could commune with. Um, and that's not why he created us. Um, that's not the purpose why God put us on the planet. But I will say this. The relationship is necessary to achieve the overall purpose. The overall reason why you're here for every single person in this room, whether you're saved, not saved, whether you've been in church, not been in church, whether you were poor, whether you're rich, whether uh, you had a great background or a terrible background, whether you graduated real high or didn't even finish school, uh, whether you've got a lot of money or don't have any money. It doesn't really matter. Every single person is on this planet for one reason, and that's because God is a king reigning in a kingdom in heaven, and he wanted to extend that kingdom to the earth. If I made the statement today that the government is the answer to all of our problems, many of you would laugh. But I'm here to tell you that it is the answer. Government is the answer. The whole, the answer for every single problem on this earth is government. Just not the government that you and I see in operation today. The government that we see, the governments that we've seen in the world today uh, are actually tearing the world down. That's because anytime you do something outside of God's original design for it, it will fail. Anytime something is used for a purpose other than what it was originally created for, it fails. If I use a gun for any other purpose than what it, for what it was designed for, It will fail. We've said it before. Until you understand the purpose for something, abuse is inevitable. If you don't understand the purpose for a thing, you will abuse it. You will fail at it. And so we've seen government fail because we have not understand the true purpose for it. But God came not to establish a religion, not to establish Christianity, not to establish a Bible that we all read and live by, not to establish church. 
God came to establish a government. And it's called a kingdom. It's a kingdom operates where a king is in charge and everybody is subdued or in subjection to the king. Now, we don't like that idea because our idea of the kingdom is terrible. One man having full reign and full authority and everyone just has to listen to him. We don't like that. Why? Because once again, we have had kingdoms on this earth that have failed due to man's attempt to do something that God originally introduced. But when you have a king that loves you, when you have a king that has your best interest at heart and is only doing every action, every thought, everything he does is for the betterment of you. Well, that's an easy king to serve. And that's who God is, because God is love. He doesn't just operate in love. He doesn't just say lovely things. He doesn't even just act out of love. He is love. And when you have a king that is love, then you can be sure that everything he chooses and demands, you can follow, be obedient to, and succeed in life. So God came to establish a kingdom. God did not come to establish a relationship. He didn't come to establish religion. He didn't even come to establish Christianity. Adam and Eve weren't Christians. They were kingdom citizens on earth with a king over them, placed in charge to rule and reign on the earth as God designed man to follow. But there was an important factor that was necessary for man to operate in his purpose. If man is going to rule on the earth as God rules in heaven, if man is going to rule on earth as God is sending down information to him, then there's something that's got to be in place, and that's called a relationship. And without the relationship, or with a severed relationship, the purpose for man cannot prosper. And so here in John chapter 1, we're going to look at a few verses. I'm going to let you know that every all of this is on you version. We've got a lot of verses. There's a lot we're going to hit today. Uh, you know, some are quick, and some will, uh, you know, sit on for a little bit. But if you have you version... Uh, you can access it, uh, and it will have everything lined out for you. John chapter 1, verse 10. John chapter 1, verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, To them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Notice there that as many as received Jesus, as many as listened to him and obeyed him and followed him, he gave them the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Verse 13. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And notice that God is not identifying, uh, you know, a subordinate. He's not identifying someone that just follows him, someone that just does what he tells him to do. He's identifying a relationship, a child 
is a relationship. That's, if you are the child of somebody, that means you are in relationship with somebody. Let's look at a few more verses. Let's take a look at a few more verses. Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Once again, identifying a relationship. You are sons. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verses 16 and 17. 16 says this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? Children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Once again, we see that we are children of God. Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us. In him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. It was God's good pleasure to adopt you, not just into a kingdom, not just into followership or discipleship, but to adopt you into the family of God. God has desired that we be in relationship with him. God has always desired to be in relationship with man. We just saw here that from the foundation of the world, the foundation of the world, God desired for us to be in relationship with him. This wasn't something he thought of at the last minute. This wasn't something that you had to prove to him you were worthy to be before you even were, you were in relationship with him. Before you were even created, before you were even a thought on this planet. You were in relationship with God as a son adopted into the family. God has always desired to be in relationship with man. This is a privilege. This is an honor. You've been adopted into. He chose you. He handpicked you. He brought you out of something and into his family. Colossians chapter 1 tells us that we've been transferred out of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved Son, kingdom of light. He chose us. He picked us, brought us out of the world and into light, into his kingdom. So we notice here that the relationship is designed for a purpose. Every relationship has a purpose. Every relationship has a purpose. And you've got to understand that. We did a series last year. Called, why don't you like me? Why don't you like me? We did a little Facebook deal, remember? Because we always like to talk about Facebook relationship status. What's our relationship status? And we have friends on Facebook that we don't even really know that well. But when we truly discover the purpose for a relationship, then it can flourish. When you understand why you have a spouse, why you have a husband or wife, then it can flourish. When you can understand why you have friends, then it can flourish. Then you can understand the relationship between your parents, 
between brother and sister, when you understand the purpose for a relationship, then they can operate properly. And so God is wanting us in relationship with him. Why? Is he lonely? Nobody likes him, so he has to go pick some friends? No. There's something that he wants us to do. There's something that he wants us to accomplish. There's something that he uh, wants us to function like in the earth, and it requires us to be in relationship with him. And if we're not, then the function fails. The purpose fails. And so going back to Genesis chapter 1, we see that God creates man. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, let us create man, let us make man in our image, in our likeness to function and do what we do. What's that? Rule, have dominion, manage and have control on the earth. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over everything that creeps on the earth and over all the earth. That's what you and I are supposed to be doing. That's what Adam and Eve were supposed to be doing. So therefore, the relationship is necessary for us to carry out that purpose. If we're going to function like God, if we're going to rule like God, if we're going to have dominion and be in control on the earth like God, we have to be in relation with him. There has to be a relationship. Well, we know this, that the relationship was severed. So when that relationship was severed, and we'll take a look at what caused it to be severed, what caused the separation to come in. But anytime separation enters a relationship, it cannot flourish, it cannot prosper. So the relationship was severed. Why? Because man sinned. Man listened to another voice ate of the tree that God said, do not eat of. He's king. And the only way you can rule and reign in the earth is if you obey the king. The only way you have any control is if you obey his control. His commands. So man lost relationship. And in turn, lost his ability to function on the earth the way God intended him to. Man lost relationship. Man was separated from God and in turn lost his ability to rule and reign on the earth. Genesis 126 now is out the window. It's gone. Man's not in control anymore. Man has now handed over his authority and his control. So God looks down on man and says they've blown it. They've messed up. And so now just forget that whole earth plan Let's just bring them all to heaven. I'm going to send Jesus down, and he's going to die on a cross so we can all be in heaven. We'll just have fun together. No. No, that was a trick statement. It's not why God sent Jesus. It's not why God sent Jesus. God decided, you know what? This thing's broken. I'm going to fix it. This thing is out of alignment. I'm going to get it back in alignment. They're not ruling and reigning as I intended them to. I'm going to get them back in a position where they can rule and reign once again. Where they don't have to be under the authority of somebody else that is telling them to do wrong. That wants them to sin. That really doesn't care about them. He really cares about himself. He wants to be lifted up in pride. Satan entered the garden so he could be lifted up in pride. So man could listen to him instead of listening to God. 
And so God says, I'm going to fix this thing. But if, if I fix this, I'm going to have to take care of the relationship. Now, man's cut off. Man is separated. So man cannot rule and reign on the earth as he's intended. So if God is going to get man back in place to rule and reign once again, he's got to take care of the relationship. This thing won't work. They're not going to be able to rule if they're separated from me. They're not going to be in dominion if they're separated from me who's handing down the commands that they ought to follow. So look at Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. In time of need. Go over to Hebrews chapter 10. How? Why can we now come boldly? Man in the Old Testament could not come boldly to the throne of grace. If you know anything about the Old Testament system of how God communed with man, it was in the right place at the right time. Only certain people could go in. You did not just have free reign and access to God. The separation, the, the, the uh, uh, relationship has been separated, has been cut off. But God always desired to be in relationship with man. So he's got to make a way. So why can we come boldly to the throne of grace? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, the communion that we took was the new covenant the new relationship with man, restored once again by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Even though man severed the relationship, even though man cut himself off from God, God desired to be back in relationship with him once again. He desired for man to rule and to reign on the earth as God originally intended. And so he makes a way. His son Jesus goes, has his body broken, has his blood shed. Why? For the new covenant. Jesus is not picturing uh, uh, breadcrumbs and grape juice. Jesus is picturing relationship once again. What do the words communion mean? It means brought together. It means in relation with. When we're communing with someone, you don't commune with someone, you know, someone's in Georgia and other person's in California. No, you commune because they're in your house. They're with you. They're staying. They are right there with you together. And that's what God, de- God desired. That's what God wanted. I need man to rule on the earth once again. So I've got to be back in relationship with him. So I'm bringing my son and he's going to die. 
He's going to have his body broken, but that blood that is shed will join us back together once again. Now we're back in relationship. Now, since we're back in relationship, they can rule on the earth once again. Once again, they have dominion. They're back in control. So we've got to take a look at this relationship. Because how many of you know, and we've all heard it, relationships need work. I don't care what kind of relationship you have. It needs work. And in our world today, you know, we've tried to devalue relationship. It's just easy. Come and go. Look at Hollywood. They just come and go. Married to one person one day. Married to the next person the next day. There's no value for relationship. There's no value for the work involved to keep a relationship going. And that's why we have diminished ourselves. We've uh, 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 brought ourselves down to the level of Facebook friends. Because I don't have to work at that, but yet I'm still in relationship. There's no work involved. The internet tells me I'm in relationship with this person, so I must know them. Because the internet never lies. (laughs) The internet's always right. No, we know that there's work involved. And I believe that there are two factors. I want to take a look at two factors this morning. Because I want you to know, look, God's got a purpose for your life. Every single person in this room, I don't care where you came from. I don't care what your life has been like. I don't care if it's been, uh, you know, cherries and roses or if your life's been a living hell. I don't care. You've got a purpose. You've got a purpose. But you will not fulfill that purpose if you're not in relationship with the king. That's the bottom line. If you have no relationship with him, you will fail in life. We've got to have a relationship. And there's two factors that I want to look at today that determine effective relationships. Effective relationships. Number one is attention. Relationships that don't and are not given the proper attention fail. Number one is attention. Number two is communication. Relationships without communication is not a relationship. It's amazing. You can have two people that sleep in the same bed but don't talk, and they're not close. They're not close. And I want to show you today that, number one, we determine the level of closeness we have with the Father. We determine that. We determine the level of closeness. We determine. That means we are the limiter of our relationship with God. God has already set the parameters. We already saw. He's already prayed. uh, uh, He's already uh, given, paid the most ultimate sacrifice so we can be in relationship with him. There's nothing else God needs to do to prove that he wants to be in relationship with you. He's done it all. But relationships are two-way street. Just because Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins does not automatically mean you are in relationship with him. There's some work. 
there's some attention that must be given to the relationship and there's some communication. And without these two factors, not one or the other, both working in an operation in the relationship, the relationship will not succeed. And it's, the, it's up to us. The choice is up to us. We're the limiter. We set the limitation of how close or how far we are from God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1. I want to take a look at the attention factor. The attention factor. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 1 says, My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. My son, do not forget. What's that mean? Give attention to it. You know that you forget stuff that you don't give attention to. If you don't keep it in front of you, if you're not constantly looking at it, you will forget it. Go on down to verse 5. Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Not some of your heart. All your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Look at this next line. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways. What's that? I'm giving attention to him. In everything I do, I'm acknowledging him. I'm giving attention to him. I'm giving attention to his word. Without proper attention given in a relationship, the relationship does not succeed. The relationship will fail. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, my children, the instruction of a father, and give attention to no understanding. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. Skipping on down. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health. To all their flesh. Give attention to the relationship, he's saying. This is father-son talk right here. Listen to what I'm saying. Give attention. Give me attention. Pay attention to what I'm saying, to what I have for you. Give attention. Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. Verse 24, look what he says here. Then he said to them, take heed what you hear. Take heed. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Look at how the Amplified reads. And he said to them, be careful what you are hearing. The measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. And more besides will be given to you who hear. Every relationship requires sacrifice. Some of you may have heard as a relationship uh, identified as an investment. You have to invest in it. What's that? That's giving attention to it. And if we don't give attention to the relationship, it fails. You have to invest in relationships. Every relationship requires an investment. That means you're putting something in. God has put his in. But this verse tells us right here that you won't get out of it more than what you're putting into it. You will never get more out of the relationship 
than what you put in. You never get more out of relationship than what you put in. So if I don't make my own sacrifice, if I don't uh, make my own uh, choice in the relationship to grow and to get closer and to invest in the relationship, I'm not going to grow in that relationship because a relationship does not grow beyond what you put into it. It will not develop beyond the level that you're willing to sacrifice, that you're willing to invest, that you're willing to give up. What are you giving up? You're giving up time. You're giving up your will. You're giving up your desires. And we see this just in natural relationships, friendships, marriages. If I'm not putting something in, I'm probably not getting something back. And this verse tells us right here that I've got to put something in if I want my relationship to grow and to develop with God. Look on down to Mark chapter 4, verse 33. The same chapter. He says, and with many such parables, he spoke the word to them. Look at this. As they were able to hear it. So my question is, is are you able to hear it? Are you able to grow your relationship with God beyond Is your relationship where it's at God's fault or your fault? And if we haven't taken the right steps and the right measures to develop and grow our relationship with him, we need to start putting some investment in. We need to start making some sacrifice. And when we do, you will watch your your relationship grow. My son at the school that he attends, the preschool he attends, he attends a little music class on Thursdays. And I got there early, and so I'm sitting outside the door, and they're singing their song. And they're singing that song. Some of you may know it. If you read your Bible and pray every day, you will grow, grow, grow. Guys, I'm going to be honest with you. It's literally that simple. It's literally that simple. Give attention. What does that mean? How can I practically give attention? Get in the Word. Get in the Word. He's already written what He wants to tell you. It's already there. This is God communicating to us. Let's get in the Word. Number two, let's pray. Talk to Him. Nobody likes a relationship where the other person's always talking. Let's balance it out. God wants to hear from you. He says, I already know everything that you need, but I still want you to ask. He wants to have communication with us. Communication goes both ways, not one way. This isn't just me sitting around reading the Bible and just, okay, God, talk to me. All right, come on, bring it. No, he wants to communicate. And when you make these investments, when you take the time to be in the Word, when you take the time to pray, and then, thirdly, do what He says. When He communicates, obey it. Don't disregard it. How many of you know that'll sever a relationship real quick when you don't do what the other person asks you to do? That'll hinder something. You're not a man of your word. You're not going to hold up your end of the bargain. Oh, nobody wants to stay in a relationship like that. I can't trust you. I can't depend on Why am I going to continue to invest in this relationship? But when we do those things, when we get in the word, we pray, and then we obey God when he speaks, your relationship will grow. 
Go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. So let's go back. Let's go back. Where did the relationship go wrong? Because man was in relationship. We can all admit, in the garden, man, in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, they had it great, man. It even said that God would come down in the cool of the day and walk and communicate with Adam and Eve. That's awesome. This God that we picture as far off, this God that we picture as, you know, untouchable. Uh, you can't see him. You can't know him. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And he's coming down, coming down to communicate with Adam and Eve. So where did it all go wrong? Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So in the relationship, God has given the command. God has given the direction. God has said, given man the order of how to exist. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now watch what happens here in verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Now what caused man to fail? It wasn't just eating the fruit. See, relationships require attention. And when you give attention to something, you enter a relationship with that. And when she diverted her attention to another voice, she entered relationship with someone else. Now that never works. Your relationship with a person is hindered when the other individual enters a relationship with someone else. We call it cheating. We call it adultery. When you are in a relationship and you give attention to another relationship, you break relationship with the person you formerly were with. And that's what happened here. Man fell because he severed the relationship with God and entered a relationship with another voice. Gave another voice. When she saw that it was good. See, we've got to be careful in our giving of attention to make sure that God is getting all the attention. That he's the only one getting the attention in the relationship. Go to Jeremiah chapter 2. God explains this very clearly. God has always desired to be in relationship with man. God never desired to be out of relationship with man. 
And when man broke the relationship, God desired to be back in relationship. But through the Old Testament, no matter how hard God tried to make a relationship happen with man, it could never be on the level that it was in the garden. It could never be that. He would bring his spirit upon prophets and priests and kings and, and, and those priests would go into the temple or they would go into the holiest of holies. They'd go into the tabernacle, but he couldn't commune with everyone. There was a separation. But man, no matter how hard God tried and attempted to get back with man, man continued to sever the relationship. And look at how God explains this. We're going to read this. It's about 13 verses. Jeremiah chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the hearing of Jerusalem, saying, Thus says the Lord, I remember you, the kindness of your youth, the love of your betrothal. See, that, that word is marriage. That word is a covenant. That word is a relationship, not just, hey, I see you every now. Betrothal is we're in union together. This is how God pictured his relationship with man. We're married. And I remember the kindness of you, the love of your betrothal, when you went after me in the wilderness. Come on, those are the dating years. Those are the years where you're chasing the other person and they're going after you. But how many of you know that tends to wear off, especially when we don't give the attention and we don't keep up the communication? In a land not sown, verse 3, Israel was holiness to the Lord, the first fruits of his incense. All that devour him will offend. Disaster will come upon them, says the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob and all the families of the house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. What injustice have your fathers found in me? That they have gone far from me, have followed idols, and have become idolaters. Neither did they say, Where is the Lord who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, who led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and pits, through a land of drought and the shadow of death, through a land that no one crossed, where no one Dwelt, I brought you into a bountiful country to eat its fruit and its goodness. But when you entered, you defiled my land and made my heritage an abomination. The priests did not say, where is the Lord? And those who handled the law did not know me. The rulers also transgressed against me. The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not Prophet, He says here that we were in relationship. We were in a union together. And when I brought you into the land and when you came into the land, you left. You left me. You cheated on me. You went after someone else. You committed adultery. We were married and you gave your attention to another idol. You gave your attention to another God. You gave your attention to something else that was contrary to me. You continue to sever our relationship. Verse 9, Therefore, I will yet bring charges against you, says the Lord, and against your children's children I will bring charges. For pass beyond the coast of Cyprus and sea. Send to Kedar and consider diligently, watch this, and see if there has been such a thing. You know what he's saying there? 
He's saying, look at all these other evil nations. Look at all, their, uh, look at all these foreign nations that serve other gods. And you know what they have against you? Is they've never left their gods. You've done something that not even an evil nation will do. They will at least stay true to their God. Look at them over there. They don't even leave their gods. Yet you who serve the real living most high God that wants to be in a relationship with you. And that's giving you attention and giving you communication. And you walk away from that. And you go after another God. Has a nation changed its gods? Which are not gods? <laughs> Have these other nations decided we don't want to worship this God anymore. We want to worship a different God. And they're not even gods? No. But my people have changed their glory for what does not profit. Be astonished, O heavens, at this and be horribly afraid. Be very desolate for my people have committed two evils. Watch this. They have forsaken me. The fountain of living waters and hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. There's an attention deficit disorder with the church today that cannot give attention to a God that is true and living. He's identifying here, I've done everything for you. I brought you out. I've done everything I could to enter relationship back with you again. And still you walk away. You find another God. You find another relationship that you give attention to that takes precedence over me. That you prioritize higher than me. Guys, a relationship does not work without attention. John chapter 15, verse 7. John chapter 15. We've got to get back in relationship with our king. We've got to get back in relationship with our God, with our Lord, with our Father. Number two is communication. In John chapter 15, verse Seven, Jesus says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. Number two is communication. And so Jesus here says, abide in me. Who's Jesus? The word. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word. And the word became, or, and the word was God, and the word was with God. Go on down to verse 14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus is the word of God. And so when he says, abide in me, he's saying, abide in my words. Abide in this. Communicate. And then you will ask. And whatever you ask will be done for you. Why? Because communication is a two-way street. This isn't just God talking to us. This is us talking to God. And when we abide in his word and obey his word, then when we ask, when we communicate, he will answer our requests. Go on down to verse 16. John 15, verse 16. You did not choose me, 
But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. This communication goes both ways. Look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. God has promised us. He has assured us in communication that if you talk to me and if you ask requests of me and make petitions of me, I will answer. I will hear you and I will give you according to what my father says. We have this confidence. We have this assurance that we can boldly, like Hebrews said, enter the throne room. Enter before God. Make petitions known. He hears us when we pray. We're not just praying and just giving out words that he doesn't hear and doesn't understand and doesn't know. We have a God that can hear us. We, have, we are in a relationship with someone that when we listen to his word, he listens to our words. We've got to get better at communication. John chapter 10, verse 1. John chapter 10. Verse 1, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice. They hear his voice. They don't recognize what he looks like. They recognize his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Why? For they know his voice. And they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of a stranger. Which voice do you recognize and which voice do you follow? That determines who you're in relationship with. If you follow the voice of the enemy when he speaks, you're in relationship with the enemy. If you follow the voice of God when he speaks and the voice of the Holy Spirit inside of you, when he's pressing, when he's talking, when he's encouraging, you're in a relationship with God. The awesome thing about this is the better I get at recognizing God's voice, the better I get at recognizing the wrong voice. And the voice of a stranger I will not follow. But the voice of the Holy Spirit I'll follow. The voice of the shepherd leading his sheep, I will go after that. We've got to be people that recognize the voice of of God. Recognition comes through consistency. Recognition comes through consistency. Consistently putting myself to hear his voice, putting myself in position to hear the voice of God and to know the voice of God. Recognition comes through consistency. And number two, information breeds intimacy. Information breeds 
intimacy. I'm going to shock you. Intimacy is not defined by how, how close you are physically. Every weekend there are people that sleep with other people and they're no closer than they were before they met each other. They're no more intimate. But intimacy is developed by what you tell people. It's not what you say. It's how you say it. Ever heard that one? That's not what you said, it's how you said it. It's how we say it. It's how we communicate. God desires to be in relationship with his church. And he's provided everything. He's made access free, completely free. Free reign to be in the kingdom. To go before him. To go before our king, to go before our Lord, to go before our Father. Make our petitions known. And he's given us his word. He's communicating clearly to us. But are we missing the attention factor? Are we missing the communication factor? Is our relationship stuck because we haven't progressed and we haven't moved forward? Is the relationship stuck? Because we haven't given God the attention that he needs. God isn't needy. God isn't just sitting around wondering when's he going to come play with me. But he knows. I've got a lot in store for you. There's a lot I want to tell you. There's a lot I want to show you. But you've got to give me some attention. Give me some time. Give me some time. God wants to enter the closest, most intimate relationship with his people. When Jesus said, I have fervently desired this moment. He's saying, I have fervently desired to be in relationship with my people. I have, I've been waiting from the time that apple was eaten. I have been trying to find a way to get back in relationship with my people. To enter that covenant. To be in communion. To be one with my church. But we've got to give attention, guys. We've got to communicate, guys. And I'll tell you, look. We're all at different levels. We're all at different stages of life. But understand this, that you can grow deeper in your relationship. In any relationship. Last week you had Pastor Marcus here. He's my best friend. And we're closer today than we were 12 years ago when we first met. Why? Because we've invested in a relationship. My wife and I today, we're closer than when we first met. Why? Because we've given attention and we've communicated. Those are the two factors. If a natural relationship can't, can't work without those two things, then neither can a relationship with God. It's work. 
It's sacrifice. It's an investment. But I can tell you right now, the reward is worth it. To be in relationship with God is the highest honor. The highest praise. He is the King of Kings, guys. He is the creator of the universe. And he wants a relationship with you individually. You're not sharing God with anybody else. He has the capacity and the ability to be in relationship with you. And just you. So Father, today, we vow to invest in our relationship with you. This covenant that you have longed for, that you have desired to have with mankind. Father, we take the necessary steps. We make the commitment to put in the work to say, I do. With our covenant with you, with our union with you. Forgive us, Father, for not valuing the relationship as we ought to. For not valuing the moments to share with you as we should. For not taking the time to be alone with you. Father, we want to know you. We want to know you on a greater level. We want to know you on a deeper level. We want our relationship to grow and develop. Right now, with every head bowed, eyes closed, if you have not made the commitment to be in relationship with him, It's very simple. And he has already made the way. His son, Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is how we get back to the Father. He wants that relationship restored with you. With every head bowed, eye closed. If you're in this room and you have not made that commitment to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to enter a relationship with him, to come into agreement Romans chapter 10 says, if you will confess him as Lord, you will be saved. That word confess doesn't just mean to say something with your mouth. It means to make a binding agreement. It's as if you're getting married. And if you have not done that, if you just raise your hand right now, we can pray that prayer. We can take care of this relationship today. Father, I thank you for every person in this room that has entered a relationship with you. And if we have not held up our end of the deal, our end of the relationship, forgive us. And I thank you today we commit ourselves to renewing and restoring the relationship with you. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. We thank you for what you have made available. We no longer take it for granted. We no longer take it lightly that we have free, full access to you. I thank you that our relationships grow. In Jesus' name, amen.